When you're afforded the opportunity to interview a recruiting, marketing, and advertising icon, you take it. Or just do what we do, corner them and force them on the mic. It seems to work. Check out our interview with Mike Temkin from Shaker Recruitment Marketing right after this word from our sponsor. Okay, so you need candidates fast and you're sick and tired of being nickeled and dimed to death. I totally get it. You should check out FlexPlan from Next. It's perfect for employers and staffing firms who are busy. They need candidates and flexible pricing now. FlexPlan is also perfect for recruitment ad agencies who need targeted distribution and tools to help demonstrate client ROI. If you're sick and tired of all the BS, hassle, and just want candidates now, check out Next and FlexPlan with over 70 million members. Next takes all of your jobs and puts each one in front of the best candidates across their entire ecosystem. No muss, no fuss. Next does all the work and FlexPlan makes it cost effective. Check out everything Next has to offer at hiring.next.com. That's hiring.next.com. And if you like to save even more cash, just go to chadcheese.com, scroll down and click on the next logo, discounts aplenty. Remember, next with the double X, not the triple X. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Give me some levels there, Mike. Uh, testing one, two, three. Perfect, man. Check, check, check. Right, so you two yes. are right now in basically the middle of the epicenter of disruptive media. Oh, really? That was disruptive HR, uh-huh. but definitely what podcasts are right yeah. now are definitely growing tremendously. You know, legacy broadcasters right. are definitely having to embrace it after fighting it for a while, yeah. uh, including basically recently, you know, basically Sirius XM buying Pandora. Oh, yeah. And one of the basically initiatives they're doing right now yeah. is basically making sure that as much content as they have that can be utilized for podcasts. Yeah. Because right now, the statistic I saw most recently was that of, let's say, at this point, those who are regular podcast listeners uh-huh. listen to seven podcasts per week. And what's being seen in a lot of basically you know media surveys and analysis yeah. is that a lot of that listing is during drive time when they're commuting, oh, shit, either yeah. on a train or in the car. Yeah. So really eroding broadcast market share. Uh-huh. So you, the two of you, are really at this point in a very Give important. Part. So the question is, uh. how many employers do you guys have podcasting right now well, to take advantage of that growing? Boring well, shit, though. Well, that's I mean, it really would have to be. It would be. You think they would get not if Shakers their agency? Could get, yeah, they could get Chad and Cheese to actually do some well, stuff. Well, that's for a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure any employer wants their brand going I through that kind smart. of mess. I think well, well, wait a second. We're talking about yes. We are talking to you know clients, employers yeah. about how you can you know, basically really finally target you know take the content of a basically a podcast yeah. onto a skill set. So it's not necessarily always a broad audience. It's not all American yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, and you know like your podcast, it's very qualitative, niche, yeah. the, niche focused, focused yeah. for who you're going after. Yeah. But now the 
The question I have for you, and I'm sure you're going to throw questions at me. Okay. Yeah, this is an interview fair. for you. <laughs> all, the, all, all, right. Right. Yeah. all right. So basically, I, you know, this is relevant to those of us in the industry. Yeah. So it's not irrelevant. Is who do you think in the month of March, as well as February and January of this year, was the biggest advertiser on podcasts? And these, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That would have been my guess. Yeah. You were slow. You got it. You but got they it. have yet to spend one penny on the Chad and Cheese <laughs> which, podcast. Which I, which I love because it gives us instant cred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For everyone who says we're being bought, ZipRecruiter, <laughs> the biggest money machine in the podcasting advertising market, hasn't given us a penny. All right, so penny. Chad, you got it. Number one. Yeah. Thanks, Ian. All right, so number two is Squarespace. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. No, number two is Robinhood, financial okay. services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number three is Squarespace. Number four, Indeed. Yeah, yeah. trying to catch, yeah. trying to catch yeah. up yeah. on Zip. What's yeah. what's the first mattress on the list? Casper, uh, purple. That, that I didn't see. Oh. Uh, actually, after uh, Indeed, I believe it was Quip who sells dental services. Oh yeah, yeah. I and, have then one that, of those. and then after that was yeah. Geico Insurance. So yeah. maybe I'm just getting Peloton. targeted for my. My nap Peloton. prowess yeah. for, for mattresses. <laughs> Maybe that's my problem. So, so already out of the gate, we've we've started an we awesome. We didn't even kind of, do an. We, we didn't, didn't do an, an intro. intro. So today, I'm sorry. No, this is awesome. Right. Today we have Mike Temkin. What is your title? You're like like the old man at Shaker. <laughs> like Gandalf. 30, Thirty-one yeah. Gandalf years. Gandalf chief. Like the wizard of Yoda marketing. Executive. I mean, just well, the, that's very generous. Yeah, and nice that's of good you. shit. Yeah, it's, man, it's very. Nice. I mean, definitely. Give uh, us some background about about you. You've been, dude. You've been in this industry. You've seen change. Mm-hmm. You th- Tell us what year one was like for you oh, in yeah. recruitment yeah. marketing yeah. for in the col- kids in, out in there. Column inches. <laughs> well, year one actually for me. Yeah. My background was consumer advertising at agencies and radio and television. Ah. And then I was in, in radio. 1984. Uh-huh. Um, basically, Shaker had a client, and I I known the Shaker family, um, you know, through my own family and also through basically the work they do for St. Jude for the yeah. research hospital. Yeah. 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 So we knew each other. We knew each other, and they basically were looking for uh, basically help a client who was doing IT job fairs in 1984 that was having trouble getting the applicant flow. Who was the From employer? Do you classified. remember? Was it like uh, it was? I it was it was a career fair. Was it Jazzercise no, or no, 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 was no. it Brass Ring? No, no, okay, no, no, so, no, so no, that was no, a, no. They started out as a career fair. It was actually as an independent. Uh, woman, okay. if I remember correctly, and um, she was managing these job fairs in IT. Nice. And wasn't getting the flow that she needed for the job fairs. Mm-hmm. Shaker family came to me and said, we need some help, and, um, you know, busy. what do you think we could do? Yeah. And I mentioned, well, at that point, 1984, I said, well, you know, we can look at radio stations, we can identify to a certain extent, you know, the listenership by skill set to a certain extent. And then, you know, basically advertise right. on those stations. So we had two stations. One was a classic rock and one was an album rock format. Oh, yeah. AR. Because techies love classic. Oh, That's shit, right. yeah. AR, baby. Yeah. Right. That was the format. <laughs> so I do remember that it was, it was actually here in Chicago. It was WXRT, uh-huh. which is one of the, I guess, what, ultimate, you know, basically eclectic album adult rock stations. Uh-huh. And then it was WCKG, which was the classic rock at that time. And we advertised on those two stations, and she got the applicant flow she needed to fulfill satisfaction yeah. from her clients, the companies, that, the employers who were there. Yep. At a meeting afterwards, I said, okay, 
how did it work? What was the difference? And she said, well, the people from radio, we didn't get as many as we'd get from print. Uh-huh. But the quality was better. And I said, well, why was the quality better? And she said, because they're currently working. Ah, you know, their skills yeah. were up to speed. Yeah. They didn't have to be trained on certain languages, uh-huh. certain you know, components. And uh, I guess as far as in recruiting, the shark effect was you know, handled by the candidate generation through media. Yeah. So I listened to that again. My background was health and beauty aid products, retailers and apparel and furniture, um, theater, entertainment. And so some direct response advertising, which uh-huh. you think about a recruitment marketing is just direct response advertising, but instead of selling, you know, basically exercise equipment or books or records or clothing, right, right. you know, we're selling jobs. Yeah. And instead of cash, we're looking for the resume. Uh-huh. So looking at that, I went, okay, this was intrusive advertising, you know, basically classified advertising, be it print in the old days or job boards today is basically directory advertising. People are directed to go there to look for certain information. How do you use media to intrude upon people who don't expect the message? Who right now are pretty much complacent and content with their current job. But like any sort of consumer advertising, you put the pebble in the shoe, you basically, you basically in some ways, address that complacency that can be content right. with you know certain components differentiators uh-huh. yeah. that are going to make a company and an opportunity possibly more attractive to I guess what later on I, I, I said okay you know basically for mass you know and you know Chad from your background I'm sure you know from basically mass you know communication you know that's what all consumer advertising is yeah. it's just generally using this mass you know consumer yep. you know components right all right, for recruitment, though, it's a little different. So to differentiate it, okay, this is intrusive advertising because you're intruding upon the person when they least expect it. You know, 5.20 on a Monday afternoon, oh, yeah. a radio spot yeah. in drive time, someone's it's leaving stop work. Stop set, yeah. Yeah, it's a stop <laughs> set, right, exactly. You know, um, and you basically, you, you get them when their mindset is such that maybe they're a little disgruntled. They had a bad Monday at work. Why do I need to do this any longer? You know, this was pretty earth-shaking for 1984. I mean, this was a time period where oh, shit, yeah. the Sunday paper yep. had all the jobs. Everyone that wanted a job got the Sunday newspaper. And for you guys to think outside the box and say, we're going to promote via radio. Radio and then billboards and cinema advertising. For the time, pretty, yeah. pretty legendary, It was, it was different. And what's unique, though, Joel, I think, is... When I first came to Shaker, so now I, I worked for Shaker for four years as a consultant, doing all of this, you know, basically was non-classified, irregular advertising whenever it was needed. And, um, and then they you know, asked me to come in full time. And when I came in full time, now I was dealing with print too, and you know, in consulting with clients and trying to differentiate, you know, basically recommendations based on circulation. But you know, basically because of, I guess again, my background, where you know, in consumer advertising, you know, when do you buy the sports section versus the business section versus yeah. you know, basically the entertainment section, etc. Because of either the demographic differences of the sections or the readership. I went, okay, Classified's got to have something unique to it. So I went to a media company and I said, can you pull the, you know, I, the quantitative I've got, Sunday circulation is a million. All right, but that's how many easy pe- part. Right, that's, that's the, the easy, easy part. part yeah. How many people are really looking at the Classified section? And it was 14%. Wow. And this was during a strong economy and, you know, at that point. And Classifieds have historically always been the most popular section of the newspaper. Well, for those fourteen, for those four, well, it was the most. It was the most basically profitable. 
yeah. because you you know you you had basically the margins were great because your expense mm. you didn't have editorial that you really had to write. Yeah, buying it the column inch. And yeah, it was crazy. If you remember the movie Spotlight, there's one one scene of dialogue in the movie Spotlight, which is uh, the Boston oh, Globe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he says we've got to have a great story. We have got to hold our circulation because right now our classified advertising is basically diminishing. Yeah, and it yeah. It, it was crucial. Now, the reason I brought the 14 percent now the internet starts you know shaker we're working on you know first internet initiatives in the in the late 90s and basically i go to comscore and say what can you do as far as analysis of internet traffic and the report i get from them is 14 percent of all internet users were going to job boards the active job seekers oh shit the rest weren't going yeah and it was basically it was the same uh-huh. you know, percentage statistic. Yeah, and, and definitely the internet, even at that point, and especially even now, is definitely as far as analytics is much more you know basically precise than even print could be. Print would be you know based upon a survey of a thousand people, we will determine that a million people are doing this. And, and you hope they remember where the fuck they went, right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, what I'm hearing is, and I think a lot of people have the impression of. The agency job 20 years ago was answering the phone and putting display ads in the newspaper. And maybe some of it was that. But what I'm hearing from you is, is that the strategy around the agency role hasn't really changed. It's just the, the number of mediums and technologies and platforms that you have to create a strategy around. Would That's that be right. correct? That's correct. The fragmentation of the options, which definitely is beneficial because let's say, you know, in the 80s, we'd... You know, and, and definitely the radio picked up. And I remember, you know, a client, you know, wanting registered nurses. Well, in that case, it was a soft adult contemporary format. Yeah, yeah. You know, of which I said to them, okay, 4% of their listeners are basically nurses. But you're yeah. going to have to buy. You have to pay for all of them. Yeah. You won't be able to just, you know, fragment the 4%. Now, of course, with media, digital media, we can go and to, you know, basically, in very many cases, behavioral targeting, contextual Cooking advertising, hell out geofencing. Of them. Right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And at this point, the public, you know, the majority of the public is accepting it. They're not taking the cookies off their hard drive. Yeah. They are sharing a lot of information. You yeah. know, it's, it's the Amazon effect. You know, I like being identified or recognized when I come to an internet site. Now, if let's say media abuses that data, you know, that could change both by the yeah. both by the public and by the government. Right. But right, right now, you know, based that, on that you being know, that said, experience. a salesperson in the 80s, a salesperson in the 90s and 2000s and beyond, do they need new skills going forward or could you take a salesperson from the 80s, put them in today and they'd still be successful? Dude, I was a salesperson in the 80s and I went directly from radio. It doesn't matter. Shut up. I went (laughs) straight from radio to the internet. you were a teenager in in 1984. Well, yeah, now I'm talking about in the early 90s. Well, my but, first my first safe. my first job in advertising, I was very precocious. I was 14 years old. Oh shit. And I made an audition tape. I was sick one week from school <laughs> and I made an audition tape. Um, and uh, and I, I called it for teenagers only because at that time you didn't have G and PG and R, etc. And it was just, you know, certain movies were for adults only. Yeah. yeah. And I remember the one that, you know, I went to a Saturday matinee and saw a preview for Town Without Pity. 
and which was about who was in that? Uh, I don't remember who. Down without out pity. pity. I can't remember. Why who was, was that? Like, that sounds like a porn. I couldn't see it. It was about. It was about. It was about. It. It, was about a, it was about an army base in Germany. I remember that. Okay, it was. And porn. Gene Pitney had a top forty hit. You know, so you could. You know, kids could listen. I was. Ah. I was. You know, I was fourteen years old and thirteen years old. Kids could listen to the song, but you couldn't see the movie. So I came with this concept called for teenagers only. Made the tape. Took it to a radio station yeah. in the suburbs of Chicago. The guy said, "Sure, kid." I'll put you on the air, but I'm not going to pay you to be on the air. You know, you go out there and you sell your commercials, you yeah. know, and you'll get 15% of, of the spots, $10 spots. Damn. So after school, I'd go on my bicycle and I'd sell, you know, retailers on these, this, you know, these $10 spots. $10 spots. Look at you. $10. So that was, yes, that was, so basically, you he, was know, sell, he was so selling Chad, air. So Chad, you know, I, I'm, I'm with him. I understand where, you know, yeah, you're coming yeah, yeah. from. Yeah, you, and you yes. can sell air, dude. You can hustle. sell fucking anything. But yes, yeah. I think that the good people... Both at Shaker, the people that I learned from, both in the Shaker family as well as you know the extended family employees, there were definitely strategists. Even when I came in in the '80s, either they really were taking time to learn the industry they were serving, be it healthcare, be it logistics, you know, etc. Yeah. Or you know, definitely they understood the limitations as well as the opportunities of media. And that's, you know, you had, you, you had let's say, it's, it's certain other agencies, you had the same sort of people, and then yes, at agencies you had order takers. Yeah. I, I, I would think that today, an agency, you know, in recruitment advertising as well as consumer or even B2B advertising, you can't have order takers any longer. Yeah. You know, people, you know, there's, there's the, the opportunity of being more precise. Because I think, yes, an order taker, even to a certain extent, was intuitive. And so, therefore, you can make, you know, a conclusion, maybe based upon previous experience with a client right. um, or other factors. Now, yes, the intuitive factor still is somewhat important, but with all of the analytics available, it's, it's basically how to basically evaluate those analytics. That's the question, though, Mike. I mm -hmm. mean, there, there's so much that's available today that wasn't even just a couple of years ago. We're talking right. about the different types of technology. Right. I mean, whether we're talking about engagement i mean like chatbots and engagement and, mm -hmm. and then you guys being able to yeah i mean you guys being able to get into that because mm -hmm. right. hell companies can't even spell programmatic for god's <laughs> sakes let alone know what to do so you guys have to be the experts of everything you can't just sit on the phone and answer and say yeah we'll do that because you have to be you have to be experts in many different areas right right and you know and definitely what we have in the agency i think the depth of the account executives yeah. you know definitely they have the resources to be good project managers to definitely um bring in you know what now we have here at the agency at shaker you know we have experts uh -huh. in various different initiatives right. so like let's say here at ta tech Tomorrow, Tony Lepore will be speaking about branding. He and his team, that's their focus. You know? And then we have people who focus just on social media, people who just focus on programmatic, a whole department. You know, search engine marketing and other you know, cost per you know, performance advertising. Right. Um, so you, you have all these aspects, and then people, of course, who are just specializing uh, on technology. So basically, the agency since 1951 has always been the base of what, direct response advertising for Kennedy oh, Generation. Yeah. Yeah. Call what you will, help wanted, employment related advertising. It was Kennedy Generation. It's still, that's the core component of, let's say, how most clients are definitely going to identify us. 
our, our, our value to them. But definitely, like you say, Chad, the means of generating that candidate flow has changed. You know, all the options are available and, you know, basically, Joel, as you mentioned, the analytics that are available and how you basically use those to make your, your recommendations more precise, more accurate. At times, you know, basically you can make a recommendation based on analytics from, let's say, third quarter of 2018 mm-hmm. and it's second quarter of 2019 and there's been a shift competitively in the marketplace as far as, let's say, certain employers. Mm-hmm. It may be a shift in the economy of, yeah. you know, basically how, let's say, candidates are responding now to certain factors. Right. Um, there could even be, for that matter, be, you know, changes in media utilization, mm-hmm. such as a year ago, you know, as I said, I mentioned before, broadcast, you know, media companies did not take podcasts really very seriously. Probably the only one that really was as far as a, con- a, 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 I want to call it a company, but an entity was NPR. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and now, you know, every media company is looking at the potential of podcasts. Look at Spotify. Oh, Spotify that's right. bought up Gimlet. I mean, they're buying that's up, right. yeah, they're buying up content. That's I mean, right. it's all about great content. That's right. So you talk about candidate generation, which mm-hmm. I think is awesome, but today it's not just about generation, it's about the experience mm-hmm. that they have. And how much do you guys get involved at Shaker? with regard to identifying platforms for experience to be able to ensure that you know you have a higher application rate lower ejection rate what do you guys do around that we're working very you know diligently um, of basically the whole candidate and for that matter the employee experience yeah. so talent acquisition talent management so anything that touches candidate generation as far as external recruitment uh-huh. You know, internal referral programs, for that matter, internal communications, which basically for retention, um, which has always been an issue, I'd say, for a long time as far as, yes, well, quantitatively, we can get this candidate flow, but, you know, can you document that, you know, basically how either the messaging or the media is bringing in better candidates? And, of course, a better candidate is the productivity, capacity in the workplace, how how it relates to, you know, profitability, and therefore also how it basically, at that point, if those are good employees, and let's say we'd actually change the workforce composition of, of a client who really wasn't happy with their you know previous workforce composition how do we change it and make it more valuable so therefore now they want to replicate it and you know for referral programs which of course really is even more cost efficient than external and you know recruitment right so and looking at all the aspects of not just media but the technology you know basically the CRMs TRMs the talent relationship management tools the ATSs as far as even for that matter as the candidate experience there's certain tools that are valuable for both the productivity of people in recruiting, hiring managers, and you know, et cetera, as far as you know, basically making sure their time is being used much more productively, but at the same time, how it impacts the candidate's experience or yeah. the, you know, in, in, in the, the candidate's impression of the company. So let's say if you have an assessment tool, and you know, you have assessment tools that go from you know gamification to you know very you know verbal skills and everything in between. You know what's best for the skill set you're looking for. What reflects best on the company that is utilizing that tool? How do we make that decision and help them? You know, evaluate really what will be either the best tool for all of their employees, or let's say for certain sectors. You use this assessment tool for that. You know, basically candidate base. You use this one for the other candidate base. Yeah. And what is it really being doing? Is the is the priority of the client? Is it for the productivity and the time management of their internal staff, 
origin for the candidate experience so they don't fall in the dark hole. They're seeing something. Oh yes, this company basically is, you know, basically they're interacting with me and, and I'm enjoying this interaction. You know, and then from that point on, you know, do they qualify, let's say, for a video interview? And does the candidate find the video interview and experience basically gratifying or do they find it intimidating? Now, you say that's where the behavioral profile or, you know, basically that goes into place of, let's say, certain candidates. See it on their education, their background, ethnicity, et cetera, their experience of life, are going to find certain tools, you know, let's say like video interviewing, they might find it very, very intimidating. And others are going to say, oh, this is great. I really enjoy this process. So it's how to basically identify, you know, either where, where they're at. Exactly. Exactly. So how I look at it, you know, and some of the things that I've been kind of playing with my mind right now is yes we've got the active job seeker and then the passive job seeker candidate which I've always felt was an oxymoron you can't be passive and be seeking at the same time so I've come to terms with that because I know HR still finds that to be a very valuable identifier the passive job seeker really is the job seeker who's not going to be attracted through a media engagement of any sort what they are is, is the person whose the resume is out there and, and therefore you have to reach out to them and you have to move them out of their passivity then you have what I feel is a candidate of some value, and then going back to that experience I had in 1984 of the impulsive prospect, you know, using intrusive media, you know, non, you know, classified media, non-directory media, non-job board, to basically go to someone when they don't expect the message and say, you know, here is either a, a job opportunity or possibly even more important, a, a corporate culture that you'll find attractive. Which gets me to what I think is the most important, most valuable candidate for the future, especially now that, and I don't know if, if you know a different statistic than I know, um, when I came out of college, they said you'd have 3.5 employers in your lifetime. And luckily, because of a great, you know, basically engagement with Shaker, yeah. it's like 10 or 15. Yeah. yeah. And I've had, in my life, I had three major employers. Uh-huh. So when you've got people who are going to go through 15 employers now, you know, you, you have to basically make an impact with them when they're impressionable. And any merchandising, you know, marketer knows that people build their brand loyalties when they are, you know, between 18 and 34. And it's very difficult to get a person to basically reconsider that brand loyalty. So how in employment do we make sure that we build up a base of aspirational candidates? Yeah, but Someone I don't know if we can do that in employment, though. I think that is beyond. That's the brand. That's the holistic brand and how the company actually works. And the aspirational brand in itself. Right. I, I think employment feeds off of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that employment itself can be in charge of that. I don't know that we ever can just because the company is in charge of it, right? The CEO, CEO, the CRO, right? Well, I can't speak for you know other agencies. You have to talk to them. But I, at Shaker, you know, in our meetings now with talent acquisition and HR, you know, it's you know you asked how the business has changed. So yes, the 1980s, you talk to people in personnel. You know, they're basically autonomy, their authority, you know, had certain parameters. Now we have people who are definitely very focused, very educated, very experienced in really talent acquisition, which is in some ways, you know, aspects of marketing. And then at the same time, we are sitting with marketing departments. 
legal departments, are you really? procurement departments. Yes, they are coming in. You know, it so depends what on what would you the say percentage-wise? The amount of marketing departments you guys are actually sitting it's with. It's small. Okay. Uh, you know, it's going to. I think. But it's growing. I, I mean, think. I think. I you know. I've seen over the years it's growing. I think it's going to continue to grow. So you're saying the the days of the three martini lunch with the uh, the personnel director <laughs> and and they choose their agency based on who takes them to Capitol Grill more times than another are well, over. We are, we're actually we're, looking at we're, metrics. From my experience, that was more of. Of consumer advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, we are in Chicago. Advertising. can hear the uh, horns and all that other fun stuff. So it yeah. might still be so a little I, bit of that I here think, in Chicago. I think, yes. Seriously, Joel, it's a good point, but I, I think, yes. Today, when we are you know, basically talking to prospects and basically being awarded I mean, a, a new business. A big part of your job historically was who can schmooze the best and who can have the best personal relationships, whether you'll admit it on tape or not. Well, relationships are important. I will, I will say to that. Yeah. And the relationships are only important. Well, they still are, time. though. They but, still well, are. It is, I, but I it's more, think, I think, back by data. It's, it's, yeah, data-driven. And, 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 and results. Yeah. If, if, you know, basically, even, even in, in those days with, let's say, the personnel director and, and their, you know, basically uh, very condensed parameters, uh-huh. you still have to make them look good. Yeah. I, I think, you know, that was, you know, and you said, okay, before, were you just an order taker or did you help them evaluate and analyze? Did you say, okay, you know, basically this publication, you know, is going to reach so many active job seekers if we want to go let's say even in those print days if we wanted to go and reach and we did this for a number of clients if we wanted to reach let's say the the you know the non-active job seeker you know what section did we need to go to for certain jobs it was a sports section you know you had limitations but you know you could say okay the front section the business section you know the sports section the entertainment section you would say if it was skewing more towards women in those days you know I, I, I don't like saying this, but the truth is the truth. Yeah. You, you put in the entertainment section. You, try to, get, you yeah. try to get as close to the horoscopes or the, or the basically the well, Dear Abby or the Ann Landers as you could. It's the same thing in radio, though. AC was more female than it was male. That's right? right. So you look That's at right. demos and you, you just look at demos. You target right. demos. Much of what we talk about with social media, mm-hmm. in it, it, it's more yeah. really age range. Mm-hmm. So whether Facebook, LinkedIn. Like, like, how do you feel about Facebook saying we're not going to do job ads that are targeted demographics? anymore right and then so therefore that's a, a limitation now that you know we have to address and find alternatives that was the right decision by them to do that I'm gonna say it's fucking stupid that's just me Again, not interviewing you. <laughs> Damn interviewing it. Mike Temkin Damn of it. Shaker Recruitment Marketing. I would say for employment it, it did have issues. And that's why, you know, you, you, you said before, you know, basically, who are you sitting with at the table now? And in certain cases, yes, you are going to sit with legal because depending on the company and the issues that they're sensitive to, they're going to say that, you know, definitely there's these limitations that they, the companies, the employer themselves will impose that the media won't impose. Um, I, you know, and you say we can then go to a client and say, well, okay, we can't guarantee that you know this medium is going to hit that demo. But yes, we can say that you know the Facebook demo is different than Snapchat. You know, so you know LinkedIn is different in both 
the quantitative demographic factors as well as the qualitative factors. So psychographics or however you want to identify it in you know, the, the base of, let's say, analytics, it's, it's still weak. We can help a client still today as we did 30 years ago if it can't be targeted through behavioral aspects or, or other aspects, then yes, we can find alternatives. Yeah. But let's say just as, as you know, uh, you know, looking at the figures of Amazon and how much money they are generating through advertising. Yeah. Well, Shit, yeah. yeah. How and much the, do you think is recruitment advertising? I don't think that much is. Nah. Okay. But nah. if I was... Do you think it's any? Yeah. Well, you know, we actually, I'll be very frank, we sometimes go to media and we push them. And we did go to Amazon years ago, yeah. and we wanted to get employment advertising and said, okay, if a person's looking for a, a book on Ruby on Rails, yeah. and we're looking for a candidate on Ruby on Rails, yeah. I want to be there. It just makes fucking sense, right? And, and at that point in time, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And at that point in time, they couldn't help us. Now, in the future, you know, it could be different. But definitely at the same time, they created, you know, between search engine marketing, how Google changed that, you know, from you know, basically just being a bid-based product to being a content and utilization product, right? Relevancy um, to basically how Amazon, you know, definitely you know made people comfortable, you know, in the sense that okay, you came here and you ordered a John Grisham book, you must like legal thrillers. I'm going to suggest that Scott Turow book to you because yeah. he also writes legal thrillers. Yeah. Or you like. Tim McGraw, well, maybe yeah. you like Faith Hill. Yeah. Or you bought a dishwasher, you uh, might also need a refrigerator. Yeah. Unfortunately, their algorithm uh, fucked up and started kicking out females when it shouldn't. So, I mean, they, they've tried. We'll, we'll see when the next, when the next iteration too. happens. So, knowing that Amazon might not be on your the top of your <laughs> list for, uh, for, for marketing mediums, right. which ones are you currently bullish on and, and c- companies should be looking at? So, you've got Google, LinkedIn, Facebook, slash Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. For God's sakes, TikTok, we've been talking about more on the show. Like, which <laughs> ones are you most um, sort of optimistic about? Well, I'm optimistic about the longevity of LinkedIn. I'm concerned at times, but definitely be, I'll only be concerned because you've seen companies like Monster and Career Builder that definitely seem to have, you know, everything in alignment. And then all of a sudden it fell off the rails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this goes back to like when Bell Telephone in the 50s, you know, basically created digital. We just lost 80% of our audience with that reference. Well, Bell Telephone <laughs> also is AT&T. Do some research, people. Well, in the 1950s, right. they had the ability. Ma Bell. Ma Bell had the ability to convert from analog to digital. And they said, oh, we're not going to do that because we want to protect analog. IBM in the 80s basically didn't want to embrace personal computers. Oh, no, no, we're going to protect the mainframes. Uh-huh. You know, and basically then you had the media. Oh, we don't want to cannibalize our revenue from print or from terrestrial broadcast. So we're not going to support, you know. Or Monster, digital. where we just want to focus on our duration ads instead of That's being right. an aggregator like Indeed. That. Yeah, 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 right. So basically when you ask me. Yeah, <laughs> when you think, you know, basically, yes, today in the snapshot, you know, here's who's strong. You know, I would say, let's say what sites are going to possibly, and I, I, I'm not endorsing them right now, you know, as, as in, in comparison to what you mentioned, Joel, oh, yeah. but let's say, you know, sites like Comparably or Job Case, um, you know, others of that venue just in the employment arena, um, you know, and for that matter, is media going to be, in some ways, um, basically surpassed or become in somewhat a secondary component and not a priority based upon technology? 
will you know certain aspects of software and let's say what no, a TRM right. can do, yeah. or even for that matter an ATS, within their own you know, basically parameters of what they're building, or yeah. within the marketplaces that they're adding on to their model. Yeah. How will that surpass even what you and I look at today and say, all right, these are the solid components? And where, where are you with Google now? So we've got Google for Jobs, we've got Hired by Google, and we have the Job Search API. Any bullishness on any of those? I think that you know, right now their algorithm is very strong. I, I would you know, definitely look at you know, utilizing the API um, you know, at, at a company level. So therefore, you know, basically if a company has the Google search component on their own career site, yeah. you know, is that going to make the trip to Google, the search yep. engine, secondary? And if Google's still monetizing, you know, if it's on their website or not, just as let's say you've got companies now who say, okay, we are going away from our legacy products and we want to sell the cloud. You know, I mean, Amazon, talk about you know, the money they make in advertising, the money they make in cloud, and yep. AWS, versus IBM, versus Oracle, the others. Yeah. You know, so definitely, where are these companies going to evolve? LinkedIn, I would hope, with Microsoft, that they would definitely have the ability, the expertise, and the financial capacity to basically be smart and be flexible. But then unfortunately, you look at some of the acquisitions in the ATS market, where you looked at companies that you thought, okay, are going to extend basically the value of what they acquired, and, and they really appear at this point, at this point, not to have. Now, at the same time, you know, did those companies really buy them, those companies, for the ATS value, or was there a patent or two or three that they really wanted that possibly was related to employment? Maybe it wasn't even related to employment, but that's where they were buying the companies. So you, you've had 30 years in the industry. I won't ask you to predict 30 years into the future, but let's take a trip 10 years from now. What does recruitment marketing look like from your standpoint? Well, all right, going back to, to my theory, which you know, maybe you find you know, basically not valid, or you know, I, I give you credit for that, because you know that both of you know this business, you know, what I think, you know, and I respect both of you. And, and it's, it's interesting because your podcasts are the talk of the industry now. People talk about what they hear on your podcast. Um, it's, he's, it's, he's making me tear up. No, it, it's it's <laughs> so so basically. So I, I'm not I'm not you know, and this is a, you know maybe another discussion, yeah. um, on or off you know microphone, but yes, I feel strongly. And in and, and Europe, they've done this. I was at a conference in Sweden in 2008, um, about uh, three weeks after the the bank implosion, and um, at that conference on branding. Those companies were already going to, let's say, even 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, and want to build their employment brand. Know me as an employer. Know what I can do. I still think, yes, the aspirational candidate, someone who's really serious about their skills, who's serious about their career, and is not just looking, oh, I need a job. No. I, I, I want to build my career, and either this company is going to give me the resources to enhance my career, either within that company itself, or basically I will definitely be valuable to them for a number of years, and then I'll go someplace else, and maybe I'll come back to that company, you know, which I think is part of the, the paradigm now. But definitely, how do you build the employment brand to be as, as tangible and as demonstrative 
you know, as possible. And Tony Lepore at Shaker, you know, we talk about at Shaker Recruitment Marketing, the, the differentiators, which I think is very important. You know, you can't have an employment brand and just say, you we know, have a ping pong table and casual right. Fridays. Right. Or, you know, basically we, we, are we, are we care about the community or we care about basically, you know, STEM careers or we care about basically the environment or we care about the educational resources. I mean, that's important. And you definitely want to differentiate yourself where you are actually making a difference. And you have to make it, as, as I, I said before, as, as, as tangible and demonstrative as possible. And that's really extending the employment brand so that people will say, yes, that is what I want part of my life to be. I find gratification of being part of that process. And, and definitely what we will do as a company is we will help you as an individual enhance your skills. Even when you're 16 years old, we will try to basically influence you of the skills that we're going to need for our workforce. I think the smart employers are not going to say, oh, workforce planning is a one-year or you know, plan, and here's the jobs I need to fill this year, and next fourth quarter of next year we'll take care of you know, 2021. For all you six-year-olds out there in the audience, Mike's predicting 10 years from now, that company you want to work for could be recruiting you. Yeah. Well, and not recruiting, not, not recruiting. Yeah, you're right, Chad. Not recruiting, but influencing, Growing. impacting. So basically, if I go, farming. if farming, right, exactly. I go to those schools, and you know, and I say, Dude, that's what the military does right, right now, right? right? How do we glamorize Best recruiters I, in the world? You know, I think when, the most money. I think you know, GE was doing a good job of this. You know, until unfortunately they had to pull back. But of you know, glamorizing, you know careers in science, computer science, et cetera, on, on national television with very big budgets, and then you know, scaling it down to you know, definitely you know, reaching frequency on more tonnage buys. But at the same time, even if you don't have a television budget of that nature, at the same time, you can have videos now, which can be very practically produced at a very efficient cost, and you can distribute them very specifically to your target audience through digital means. You don't have to have that broadcast identity and still build a brand at definitely where you want to go. So let's say we, we find you know, certain you know, components of you know, basically people of, that we see have potential. But we, you know, we want to make sure that they're not influenced of, let's say, wanting to go into a career, let's say, in, in, in metallurgical engineering. That person is so good, we want to make sure that they go into, let's say, you know, basically biochemistry. So how do we at 16 kind of direct them to that, you know, basically look at that degree in college? And oh, at the same time, yes, I could have a career site of which there's white papers on the career site, of which are aimed at the 16-year-old that they can use as a resource when they're writing papers. And the only thing the, the employer asks is definitely when you do your bibliography and your footnotes, give us credit for what you're using on your school paper from our white papers. That's part of the branding. Now, the student is definitely thinking, well, you know, I really benefit and I'm grateful to this company for helping me with this paper. It's all just damn common sense, for God's yeah. sakes. And, and, and we, and well, all we it, care it about is, work, is the now. It all is we work. care about is, right, is the now. Well, I think you know, you the say, research is always being done, though. All right, but, it but, is. But Joel brings up a good point. It's work. Yes. I think that for an employer to be a successful, basically uh, productive and profitable entity in the future, um, they are going to have to be much more pragmatic, and you know that is going to create more work. Right now, that work should at the same time create cost efficiencies. Because if you've got that person 
who basically when you go to them when they're 26 years old 10 years later yeah, and you you go you know basically and we've got this engagement we've got this talent relationship management tool we got the ATS we have the data we have been going out and we have been sending messages to them either manually or mechanically but we have been you know basically interacting with them for all those 10 years since the time they actually went through our white paper took some information put it in their high school paper and now in college they're still basically interacting out of college they're interacting that first job I mean how many times I think employers now and we have clients who are looking at this they interact with the candidate they can't basically have a job at that particular point for the candidate yeah they have to turn them down but you just don't turn them down and put them in a black they hole. Nurture the shit out nurture of those. The shit yeah. To the extent of saying. Did we get Mike to cuss? Yes, you did. <laughs> I think we did. Uh, yes. <laughs> so you nurture them because I'm. I, I admit I'm very. I'm very. I love it. Whatever lack of a term you want to use, Joel and Chad. Um, this when is in Rome, what, Mike. This is, when this in is, Rome. This is what keeps me. You know, you see, because you, you know, you, you you sent me a note a while back. You know, 31 years at Shaker, and of course it's really more than 31 years with the you know freelance work beforehand. What keeps me involved? I am very um, passionate, for lack of a term. I'm very, I'm very excited about this, and I definitely want to see before I do leave the business that companies do get smarter, and and they get smart. I think to be competitive is you are going to have to be on that early bucket list, not the bucket list of what I want to do after I'm 65 or 75. What's my bucket list at 22? I want to work for these companies at some point, you know, and yes, if I go to, let's say one company and I work for that company for 30 years, you know, if that's really even realistic in the future, and I don't know if it will be for both the employer and the employee. But if it is, that's fine. But I think the employer has to realize with the transient workforce, you have to have certain loyalty. And the one who comes with you because they want to work for your company, instead of just, oh, I need a job, that's the candidate you're going to want because they will be more productive. Mike, thanks for sitting down with us. Uh, For anyone out there who wants to know more about you and or Shaker, where should they go? Uh, they should go to basically www.shaker.com. Um, go through our site. They can you know, go to info at shaker.com, or they can definitely email me at mike.tempkin at shaker.com. Shaker.com. Let's get a drink. Shaker.com. All right. We out. Thanks. Thanks a lot. This has been the Chat and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.